Hi, Kayla. Hi, Megan. How's How it going? Are you? I'm oh, good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. good. You good? Excellent. We good? Oh, very good. good. Always. Awesome. Always. Always. I'm very excited for this podcast today. Me Mostly. too. Because <laughs> I can't wait to talk about animals. I love animals and I will talk yeah. about animals forever. Oh my God. I'm so excited a little to talk teaser about for what's to come. I know, right? I'm so excited to talk about animals in relation to human design, right? That's going to be like, so great, right? I've always wondered, do animals have human design? Ooh, I wonder. I wonder if we could look that up. But the thing is, we don't know the time. Right? Like, I feel like there's so much involved in the possibility. All Mm. we can do is speculate. All we can do is, like, see, what what could it mean? Maybe we'll explore that today. (gasps) (laughs) Three, two, one, let's go. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kayla Mason. And I'm Megan Smith. And this is Human Human Design Design in Real Time. Time. I'm the founder and CEO of Kayla Care, and as an intuitive human design coach, I use human design to help you get to the root of what's holding you back from living the life you actually want to be living. Human design is a map of your energetic DNA that uses a combination of ancient systems and modern science to help you understand how your energy shows up in the world. On this podcast, we'll be talking with people from all walks of life about how their human design affects their lives and the lives of those around them. Getting your own human design chart is easy. All you need is your exact birth time, and you can go to freehumandesignchart.com to download your own copy. So let's get started. All right, welcome back to the Human Design in Real Time podcast. Today, our guest is Kayla's niece, Brittany. Welcome to the podcast, Brittany. Hello. Hello. (laughs) She is Jen's daughter, who we had on the podcast previously. Uh, She is a 2-4 sacral generator in her human design. And Brittany is a vet tech and a dog trainer with her business, new moon pet training and she has been working with animals for her whole life so we're really excited to talk to her about um animals and human design in relation to animals and how she works with them on a day-to-day basis so thank you so much for being on the podcast it's great to be here so tell us a little bit about your business and and how long you've been working with animals and and all of that so i grew up with animals um i've had uh, tons of dogs and cats my entire life, but I actually was a, I've been a vet tech for about seven years. So I've, I was originally going for veterinary. Um, so I was doing that for, for a while. Um, and then I got into dog training about two years ago when I got my puppy, he kind of opened my eyes. I knew I wanted to do something with teaching, um, but he kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I have been leaning towards animal behavior this entire time. And so I finally was like, okay, that's what I'm going to go for. So my business has been open for about a year and a half. Um, So, and I've done before this, I did um, several classes in animal behavior and things in my, when I got my bachelor's in science. Um, And then I did the Karen Pryor Academy program, which is a um, positive reinforcement only uh, certification for dog training and other animal training. Oh, I love that. Man, positive reinforcement for dog training is so hard. (laughs) I recently got a puppy um, eight months ago, and she tests my my patience so much. 
<laughs> it takes a lot of patience. It's um, it's definitely a different way of thinking. Instead of like, so classic training is um, you reward the good things, you punish the bad things with positive reinforcement only. Instead of punishing the bad things, you try to replace them with um, more appropriate behaviors that you can't do the bad thing. So like if I don't want my dog to jump up on me, instead of punishing them for jumping up on me, I teach them to sit for attention instead. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. It does yeah. require a lot of patience though. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it, as much as I've tried to do that with my dog, Pixie, she is still like, give me attention, like hopping up on me all the time. And I'm like, Oh God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it takes a lot it but she's still young we're, we're still learning we're still getting there yeah anyway Kayla tell us a little bit about Brittany's design um yeah I before I get into that I actually want to uh comment on what you guys were just talking about because it's so funny when I think about the concept of human psychology there's a lot of patience involved as well <laughs> Because humans also work better with positive reinforcement. And so this is one of the things I know we're planning on talking about later on in the podcast, but there, there's so much about being a coach that when I, cause I recently started uh, watching animals, I've become a pet sitter and I've been jumping from house to house, taking care of all different kinds of animals and really connecting with them in a way that I had never really done before, especially dogs. And the ways that humans and animals interact with their psychology is very similar. So like when I'm working with a coaching client, it doesn't work for me to say to that person, here's what you're doing wrong. You need to fix it. That all that's going to do is create a shame spiral for the human. And the same way that you're talking about, that's just going to make an animal feel guilty. It's going to make the animal feel bad. It's going to create a negative spiral around whatever behavior this is. Whereas if instead of saying, this is a problem, I need you to fix it, I say to that person, well, you know, maybe you might see this thing over here as a problem, sure, whatever, but look at this awesome thing that you can do. And if we can take this awesome thing that you can do and give you a platform to really be excited about it, then the other things begin to just fall away because that shame spiral is no, no longer has power. And so it's the same concept where when we tell a dog like, wow, you did such a great job sitting. That was amazing. Then they create this positive association. And rather than getting caught in the negative, well, oh God, I, I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. They have something positive they can come back around to. And I, it's so similar with humans. So I love that. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, dogs don't exactly hear the, oh, you did such a good job. They really, I mean, at least my dogs always respond to the treats. It's like, oh, chicken? Yes. Yeah. So primary <laughs> reinforcer, right? Because um, we need food to live. So it's going to be the most reinforcing thing for an animal is food. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yes. But like, that doesn't mean that there aren't other reinforcers for them. Your attention is a good reinforcer and play. Um Actually, it's interesting what you're saying, um, Kayla, because it's not necessarily dogs actually can't feel guilt. They don't have the capacity to. Um, interesting. But they do have a negative association when they get scolded for something. Um, and with punishment, one of the things that I tell people is the reason why I don't use punishment is there's a really narrow margin where punishment actually works and doesn't cause problems. Um, and it's different for every single dog. So you don't know where that is. 
anything under that, you're just damaging your relationship with the dog, and the dog has no idea what you're doing or what it's being if it's even being punished and anything above that you get what i what was referred to in the program as a shutdown dog um or you get fallout which is usually aggressive behaviors and things like that yeah okay wow that's so helpful i feel like i'm gonna learn so much today (laughs) i know me too i know (laughs) i'm gonna be like yes i'm taking notes over here like okay gonna gonna work on this with pixie we're gonna make this we're gonna have a much better relationship in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay. So with that, I'm going to dive into your design. So Brittany, have you looked at your design at all? Is this something that you've done any research on yet? So I have looked at a couple of your videos and um, some of the stuff that has popped up on my Facebook, but I, I cannot grasp the concept. Um, I just cool. don't think it's been like clearly explained to me. <laughs> yes. That makes sense. (laughs) Um, So I will briefly explain to you what you're looking at with this chart. So do you have your chart in front of you? Yes, I have it. Perfect. Okay. So if you're looking at the chart, if you're looking at the human person of the human design chart, essentially what every one of these shapes in here is representative of is a different kind of energy. So similar to like the chakra system where root energy has a very different frequency than like crown energy, your root energy is very grounded is your connection to the earth. Whereas crown energy is very lofty. It's ideas, it's a connection to divine. So when you're going through all of these different energy centers, it's different kinds of energy that exist within the human being existence. So the chart itself breaks down all of these energy centers into nine different concepts of energy. And the ones that are white are places where you literally absorb energy from other people and then can amplify that energy and utilize it while you're with them and reflect it back to them. Whereas the centers that are colored in are centers where you create energy and condition others with that energy. So a great example of a defined center that you have versus an undefined center that you have. So the center right in the middle, the pink one, that is a defined sacral center. And having a defined sacral center means that when you are doing something that feels really good for you, something that lights you up, something that makes you feel happy, or really you get that like deep burning sensation of like, yeah, this is satisfying. Then you have energy all day long and you can keep on going. Is that something you find that you've experienced? It's actually something I just was talking about with, um, Robert the other day where I was like I noticed the days that I do dog training it doesn't matter how much anxiety is like surrounded around going to people's houses and doing all of that I come home and I have energy yep and I and I don't have it any other time and I knew I wanted I I didn't really want to be in the medical field for a long time but this is the first time that I I like go to work and come back and I'm like wow I can do stuff Oh, I love that. That's such, (laughs) and like, that is an aligned sacral. That is you living in alignment with that defined sacral. Anyone who's been on the podcast before, we talk a lot about defined sacral centers and what that means. And so what happens when you're not doing things that light you up is it's kind of like you're revving an engine. It's like the car is in park and you're just pushing on the gas. And so you get tired, even though you're not doing a lot. 
And when you're at a job that you don't like, for instance, you're going to get tired really quickly and you can burn out very easily because you're not doing something that lights up that sacral center of yours. So, and is that something that you find as well with like the, the things that don't light you up as much? Do you get more tired? I mean, I feel like a lot of things, a lot of things make me tired. (laughs) Amen, sister. It takes a lot of, a lot of spoons to... To do a lot of things for me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. And But when you're doing the things that light you up, it's amazing that you're finding that they really create energy for you. And so on the other end of this, if we're looking at undefined centers, so the defined centers are the ones that are colored in where you create energy and the undefined centers are the ones where you absorb. So one of the centers that you have undefined is your emotional center, which is the one all the way to the right. That's white and yours actually doesn't have any dots in it. You have a totally open, undefined emotional center. So what that means is that you don't create your own emotional wave. The emotions that you experience are things that you absorb from other people. And the times that you might get quote unquote emotional are usually times when you've absorbed the emotional energy of someone else and is amplified and then comes out in a reflection of whatever that other person is feeling. Is this something that you've experienced before? Uh, yeah, but that's also um, really funny because that is a symptom of autism. Um, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, and yeah. that is something that we had that we were wanting to talk about with you as well because it is true. That is something that people who are on the spectrum do experience and having an open undefined emotional center, I feel like could be something that's very common in people who experience this kind of really who have this kind of emotional experience where they're not creating their own emotions, but are reflecting the emotions of others. So do you want to talk about your experience with this kind of reflecting emotions of others? Well, I have, um, I'm pretty sure I have echolochia based on how I communicate with other people. And like, I, I'm very, I script everything, but I also, I can very, like more easily speak when it's something that I've heard somebody else say before, because I'll just say it the exact same way. Um, so can you explain what echolochia is? It's when, um, so it, it can be a couple different things for young autistic people. It's usually um, like little kids that will communicate through repeating phrases from TV, from other people, things like that. They just will repeat the sounds and phrases um, so that they can, one, just because for stimming um, or to communicate. So for me, I think I used it to communicate because, I mean, my mother told me when I was um, a child, I used to um, repeat, like, I would memorize books and I would just read the books back to her. I don't think I memorized the book. I think I memorized just what she was saying and I just was echoing it back to her. Um, mm. But I notice when I am in a situation with somebody that gets, um, that is easily triggered by something, especially something that I said, because I don't always know when I'm saying something that might upset somebody, um, mm-hmm. they tend to lash out and then I'll lash out back because they did. Mm, yeah. Um, and then they're like, well, this just proves that you meant this. <laughs> that way in the first place and I'm like I'm just responding to you (laughs) yeah yeah so your design is very interesting in that you only have three defined centers so for anyone who's following along at home Brittany has defined 
sacral, spleen, and root, and everything else is undefined. So a lot of times what happens with those undefined centers, what it sounds like you're experiencing is that you are literally taking in everything that this person is experiencing, and they are then getting to see a mirror of themselves, which a lot of people have a lot of trouble looking at. It is hard to look yourself in the face Mm -hmm. and acknowledge what you are putting out. And so when you get into a conversation like that with someone, the other thing I'm seeing in your chart here is that you have an undefined throat, but you have five gates coming out of that undefined throat, which essentially means that you have a lot of capacity for expression, but you are going to use that expression through the filter of someone else's energy. So when you are in the presence of someone who has a defined throat and who maybe has things they need to say, but doesn't know how to say them, you're going to be the funnel for those things. You're going to be that amplifier, essentially. So what you're discussing, this concept of you saying the things that somebody else doesn't want to hear, but doesn't know that they probably needed to hear those things, you're probably literally absorbing what it is that they are needing to hear in the moment and just saying it out loud to them. And because you have that undefined emotional center and you have it's totally open and undefined, you're not clouded with an emotional wave that makes you stop and say, wait, maybe I shouldn't say that thing. You're just a mirror and you are here to be a mirror to the people who come into your space. Is that something you resonate with? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, again, it sounds very much like a lot of people's experience with, with autism. I, I don't, <laughs> when I, one of the first things that pushed me towards even getting a diagnosis was actually TikTok. Um, TikTok diagnosed me before I actually thought about any of this. <laughs> and I, there's a lot of videos talking about how um, a lot of people's experience with autism is that they... Um, they're just reflecting other people's energy. They're like, you don't like what you're seeing, but this is exactly how you're acting for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is pretty much exactly what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I want to know a little bit more about how you connect then with the animals that you work with, because a lot of what we want to discuss is how your design shows up in in how you work with with animals and if that makes the job easier if it makes training easier or if you're able to you know connect with animals in a different way than somebody with a lot of defined centers like myself might have so yeah tell me a little bit more about you know how you connect with the animals that you work with and um what is that like for you so um when i do So I'm coming from a place where I have a lot of information on how animals like behave, interact, what their body language is like. Um, And I'm also coming from a place that I know how to change that. Um, I took tons of psychology classes when I was in high school, college, um, took animal behavior classes in college, and then I took the um, KPA CPT course. Um, And so when I go into a situation, all dogs are just doing dog things the 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 things that people are complaining about are things that are normal for dogs to be doing and i think that gives me more patience with them um in the moment and i've spent so i i honestly feel like i can i can read an animal better than i can read a person because animals come with a manual because 
people can't naturally read animal body language. So they wrote down, they said, this is what it is. This is what it looks like. And this is what it means. And so I could read that when I was a kid and now and learn what, what they're feeling based on how they look. And I can't do that for people. So it's actually a little bit easier for me to read them because of that. And then I also know that if you wait out a behavior long enough, it's just going to, if you don't reward it long enough, it's going to stop. So I have a couple clients that I have dogs that they won't come near me at all. And part of that is that the dog is so, so scared that they won't come, come near me. Um, but I have a lot more that the dog is more excited to see me than they are for, with the owner. And unfortunately it's, um, it's really common in this field. It's one of the reasons a lot of dog trainers keep the really bad treats and make you have the really good treats because the dog trainer is a more clear communicator with the animal than you are because you don't know what you're doing, unfortunately. And so the dog's like, well, this is frustrating. I don't know how, what you want from me. So I'm going to go to that person because I understand what they want. And so the idea with like, like clicker training with uh, Karen Pryor is that, um, that's a clear communication tool to use with the animal. Like click, it means, yes, that's what I want you to do. You don't click, it means, no, that's not what I want. Try again. And when like getting that right, I've had a couple clients that are like absolutely on top of it, like perfect with it right away. And I have a lot that struggle and it is the people that struggle that the dogs are like, I don't know if I want to listen to you. I think I might (laughs) go over to her. (laughs) (laughs) It's really unfortunate though, because I want them to connect with their owners and not with me. I want yeah. I want to build that relationship because I'm not always going to be there. Yeah. Do right. you do you feel that there is something deeper than the knowledge that you've taken in that allows you to connect with animals? Do you find that you, I, I don't know, maybe uh, identify with animals and their behavior more so than humans? What is that relationship like for you on a soul level? I feel like if you asked me that question before I went to college, I would have a better answer for you. I feel like it's very clouded (laughs) now with all of the knowledge that I do have. Um, and And I can very easily manipulate a situation with an animal to be beneficial because I know those body lang- that body language and I can mimic that body language for them. Um, mm. I can tell you what people have told me about growing up with animals is um, I had, I do quickly connect with animals, but that wasn't always my experience. Like not every animal. It wasn't my experience with every single animal I came across, but I had situations where, you know, adults whisper and they think that you're not listening, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> My dad took me out to a friend of his who had a thoroughbred racehorse that just got castrated. And I was out in the field with this horse, brushing him, running around, and the horse just followed me around the whole time. And um, I think I was nine. And of course, I hear my, my dad talking to the guy, and he's like, she's really good with animals. And my dad's like, yeah, she's always been this way. So I just... <laughs> But I, I remember, like, you know, when I, I lived in New York, I spent 
a lot of time when I was supposed to be over at grandma's house sitting outside with the cat. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. And I think because in your design, one of the things that stood out to me immediately was that because you have these, your sacral spleen and root defined, these are the three most primal energies in the chart. Therefore, they are the most deeply connected to animals to the earth, to the animal kingdom. And so the fact that you have all of these centers, so just so you're aware, the sacral center is what we discussed already. It's uh, being able to create, it's having that sustainable energy. The spleen is about intuition. It's about survival instinct. And that's where all of the senses live. Um, and this concept that the senses are very connected to survival instinct. And then the root is about grounding is about your connection to the earth is about being able to feel stable as a human. So all of these energies are also things that exist in the animal kingdom, the reproduction, the sustainable energy, the survival instinct, the senses being grounded and connected to the earth and all of your other centers are undefined. So these three centers, the things that you create are much more similar to the energy of animals. Whereas the rest of you, your sense of identity, your sense of self-worth, your emotions, your expression energy, even your mind and the ideas that you have, all of that is being filtered in from other humans. And you're taking all of that stuff in from other humans and then putting it through your deep understanding of what it means to be a being, which is very deeply rooted in being an animal, being a, 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 an, a, a, hum, a homo sapien. <laughs> and so I, I, that's why I was wondering if you felt kind of connected to animals on a deeper level, because you really do create this kind of deep primal energy. Is that something that you resonate with? Yeah. I mean, it definitely makes sense. I think that um, you're asking me a question I can't answer because <laughs> Because I can't tell you what your connection with animals is like. I can't, I don't know how you, you see animals. I can't tell you how you communicate with them. And on the other hand, I know how I do. I know that, and I know how people react to the way that I do. Um, I can, I mean, I almost, I have full conversations with my animals because I can tell what they want to say, like based on their body language. And oh, I love that so much. That's beautiful. So, and Hades, like, mo- he's the most intelligent animal I've ever had. He is wow. extremely intelligent. That's why I'm trying to get him to use the, the buttons. Um, mm-hmm. But he doesn't feel like he needs to because he can easily communicate with me. And I, that's kind of frustrating on a way, but he will just walk up to me and bark. And he's like, you know what I want. <laughs> okay. I'll go get it. And and do, and you always know what he wants, right? About 90% of the time. And Zoe <laughs> does the same thing. Um I've I've never had an animal that that hasn't been so certain that they could get what they needed from me. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That is absolutely brilliant. And that is not oh. the way most people experience connection with animals. And no. this brings me into talking about one of the things that we had planned to talk about was your profile. So you and I actually share the same profile. We're both two fours, which means that uh, the two line is the hermit 
the two line is the natural. So having a two line in your profile means that one, you need a lot of alone time in order to be able to understand your creativity, in order to be able to create, in order to hear your own thoughts. Alone time is very important for you. And the other side of it is that when you are alone and when you can get into that like almost channel space, you discover things about yourself that you are absolutely just a natural at, that you can just do without even trying. And those are the things that are most important for you to lean into. The thing that is difficult about having a two line is that often we don't recognize those things. It's really hard for us to see the magic that other people see in us. So we need to wait for somebody else to say, hey, you're really amazing at that thing. And it's a constant journey. I know for myself, it's a constant journey of, of like, okay, remember Megan said that I'm really good at what I do. Okay. Remember <laughs> I, I had a session with someone the other day and they really felt seen by what I did. Okay. I think I'm still good at this thing. So is that something that you experience as well? It sounds like this, your connection to animals is that thing. <laughs> I mean, I definitely see it in my business. Um, I haven't, been doing this for very long I have a lot of like you know research experience in this field I have a lot of like personal experience but I don't have a lot of professional experience and um and so like while I'm doing this um I you know I have an imposter syndrome I am because <laughs> I'm like oh I I don't know why would yep. I know what to do with your dog I don't know what to do with my oh. dog um until I get in the yes. moment and then I'm like oh I know what I'm doing this is what you need to do or I'll think about it for a second and that's a nice that's the cool thing about dog training to me is that it's it's the same thing every single time but you have to be creative about how you apply it so like <laughs> if I, I mean, I've had situations where I'm like, okay, I have no idea what to do right here because I don't know the specific thing to do in this situation. But if I think mm -hmm. about it for a second, like go back to the basics, right? And what is the basic thing in this situation? Let me just think, like get all the fucking distractions out of the way. Get, <laughs> get, and yep. then just what is the behavior that I want? How can I get it to happen? And then what is preventing them from being able to do it? And, and that like, that's where the creativity comes in. And I've never been able to really apply something like that before. And I haven't had, mm. um, I ever felt like I had a talent in anything. So I ha I'm like, I feel like I'm mediocre at a lot of things, like a jack of all trades. But this is the first mm. thing that I've ever had several people uh, who granted are paying me to do this. Are, tell me you're really good at this. Like, when did you get into this? Like, how long have you been doing this? Because you're actually genuinely good at it. And I've had other trainers come in and I, I see a difference. And that's an amazing thing to hear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that is literally two line to a T and I, I feel you so hard. And it's so funny because when did you start your business? Wasn't it like two years, a year and a half ago? Technically, like legally, I started my business on in March of last year, um, but I had finished the KPA a year before that. So I had been kind of like putting it out there and everything before that. Yeah, because I think that you and I, our business trajectories were actually very, very similar because I did the same thing. I finished school at the end of at like mid, it's like mid 2021 
end of 2021, I started my business and then (laughs) actually started like at the beginning of last year. Mm -hmm. So same deal. It's been like a year ish. And yet there is still a part of me that's like, I don't, do I really know what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. But everybody who I work with is like, wow, this is great. Everything. This is awesome. You're changing my world. So it is that moment of stepping into, okay, maybe this is the thing that I'm a natural at. Maybe this is the thing that I really thrive at. And when I really step into it, I can, I could change the world. You could change the world. I knew I wanted to do something with teaching for a long time. I just never knew what it was going to be. Yep. Oh, absolutely. That's so awesome. Do you feel captivated by the moon? Are you craving a sense of community and a break from the chaos of everyday life? Do you want to learn more about yourself and how to connect to your magic? Then come join us in the Lunar Soul Tribe. Guided by two intuitive human design coaches and energy healers, myself, Kayla Mason, and my good friend, Ronnie Kryle, the Lunar Soul Tribe is a monthly moon circle that focuses on helping you to find a deeper connection to spirit and to lean into following the deep longings of your soul. During each full moon circle, you'll be guided through a ritual to release what no longer serves you and manifest your highest truth using the power of the full moon. We'll use human design as a tool to connect to the energy of this particular moon cycle so you can choose things to release and manifest that are aligned with how your energy currently connects with the energy of the cosmos. This will allow you to experience a deeper connection to your intentions and to your own magic. We will also go even deeper using the meditative energy healing modalities, Reiki and Yoga Nidra, to identify and remove your subconscious blocks and wounds related to the themes showing up for this moon, so that you can truly begin to shift your world to reflect your highest truth. And it's all virtual, so it doesn't matter where in the world you are, we want you to come and join us. You don't need any prior experience with human design, energy work, or moon rituals to receive the full benefit of this gathering. You'll be guided through every facet of the moon circle and will walk away feeling more connected to yourself and to the world around you. So come join the tribe. Head to kayla-care.com slash events to sign up for our next full moon circle or to become a member of the tribe. Until then, keep gazing at the moon. You obviously communicate really, really well with dogs and animals better than humans. You said it yourself. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that that comes from? You know, aside from this being obviously a, a, a talent, at what point are you like, yes, absolutely, I completely understand what this dog needs, um, aside from just the education and knowledge that you have? So before that, I mean, I, I mentioned I spent a lot of time when I when I lived in New York with Kayla, I was under the age of six. So I was spending a lot of time when I was supposed to be over at my grandmother's house being watched outside with my cat. And I think a lot of it is observation. 
I spent a lot of time watching and, and learning that way. And you, there's only so many things, so much you can learn from people doing that. Um, but there's a lot that you can learn from animals doing that. It's, mm. it's a lot more, they're not, there's no hidden meanings with animals. They're a lot clearer about what they want. Mm. Um, yeah. I think people overcomplicate them a lot. They try to humanize them in a way that they, they can't be humanized. They're, they try to give them very complicated emotions that they can't have. And they try to, you know, they try to make this about dominance and stuff like that. And that's not even like the, that was proven wrong by the same person who came up with the theory. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and people still use it, like overuse it yeah. unnecessarily. It's like, no, the alpha male is not a thing. Like, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because in a way, a lot of animals reflect human behaviors and human behaviors, I mean, humans aren't animals. Mm. We still do. We still have animal-like behaviors. And there's a lot of stuff that I can tell you from an outsider looking in. That's a very primate thing to do. That's that's a very human primate thing to do. And But then we have all these little, like, we have culture. We have these very like, these subtleties that, like, I mm-hmm. can't get because of autism. And I, like, people, a lot of people um, speak between, like, when they speak, they want you to read between the lines and i can't do that you have to tell me Mm. what you need so it's with animals it's a a lot less complicated they tell you exactly what they need um and they don't misunderstand what you're trying to tell them because you won't especially with like clicker training you have a very clear way of communicating what you want from them without that they actually are just like me in a way they can't understand what you want they don't speak english um, so a lot of times, like I'm, I'm telling clients, they're like, I, I say, I say, lay down, and she doesn't lay down. And I said, okay, show me, and they'll sit down. And I'm like, she doesn't know what that means. She has no idea what down means. You didn't teach her. Um, she doesn't mm-hmm. speak English. She doesn't just know it. And half the reason is the dog jumps up. They say down. The do- they want the dog to lay down. They say down. Well, you're using the same word for two different things. That's really confusing. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you also have to learn the language of your animal I mean, any, but mm-hmm. any pet owner should take the time to learn the language of their animal if they're yeah. a good pet owner. Um, and like, as they are also learning some English, mm-hmm. right. Cause they are, they learn down, yeah. sit, stay, roll over, mm-hmm. play dead. You have to <laughs> teach them what the words mean before that. And, yeah. and the word yeah. has to mean the same thing every single time. And I think that's also something that people struggle with. Mm, yeah that's so real because we have words that we think they're different because of the way we're saying it but it's the same word mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i've had instances where with training hades where i would um i'd be like oh i have to come up with a new word for this because it's a new behavior and i will say a word and then he'll do one of his old tricks and i'll realize that word sounds way too similar to the other cue and he can't hear the difference because he doesn't speak English. Mm. Yeah. 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 Actually, something that I'm curious about, because uh, like we have been discussing in your design, you have an undefined throat, but you have definition in your lower body. 
What tactics do you find work best for you specifically when training an animal or when connecting with an animal? Because without a defined throat, I've been thinking, because I've been noticing this with PJ and I dealing with animals. He and I are both projectors, but we both have defined throats. And when we're together, we actually create manifestor energy, which means that we create a motor to the throat. And when he and I are on the same page about something, we can get an animal to do something much more easily than we can as individuals. So I feel like there is a level of animals being able to feel the energy that we put out and really feeling like if someone has Mm. a throat motor, then they are feeling, I don't know, Megan, you might experience that you're better at being able to tell the dogs what to do than Alec, perhaps. Um, But I'm curious- Yeah. If Brittany, how, (laughs) yeah. My dogs don't listen to Alec at all. I feel so bad. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. So Brittany, maybe you could help Alec to be able to connect better because he has a similar design to yours. Actually, he's more lower body and doesn't have the defined throat. So how do you connect with animals? Is it more physical or do you use your voice? So I actually think that Karen, the Karen Pryor Academy is probably one of the best things that ever happened to me as far as dog training goes. Because I because I do go nonverbal. I found this out. I didn't know that I go nonverbal until um, this year, um, where I just don't feel like talking anymore. And I and I was looking back on it, and I did. I when I first got Hades, I hired a trainer, and she was like, "You need to say yes every time. You need to speak to him. You need to tell him clearly what you want." And I realized I have a really hard time doing that mm-hmm. because I don't like talking by myself. Yeah. And even just talking to the dog seems silly. So the clicker is actually makes it a lot easier because I don't actually have to talk at all. Mm. Um, Mm. The only time that Mm -hmm. I ever actually have to say anything to a a dog is when I'm trying to add a cue. Um, So like the way that clicker training works is that, um, so I don't know if you're super familiar with like classical conditioning, operant conditioning, but so classical conditioning, you create an association. So the clicker is classically conditioned to be a secondary reinforcer. And it just means that food's coming. And then you use operant conditioning to uh, teach behaviors. So when you're teaching an animal, you operant conditioning, you have the stimulus, you have the behavior, and then you have the consequence. If you're teaching animals, you control two of those things. You control the stimulus and the consequence. You don't control the behavior. So you have to and manipulate the environment in a way that you get the behavior that you want, um, reward the behavior when it happens, and and that's your consequence. And, it, and that's what the clicker is for. And so I don't have to speak to them because they don't need, they don't, we're really verbal creatures. We talk all the time. That's in one ear and out the other for animals. They they hear us talking all the time and that's why actually they find that a clicker is more distinct a marker than you saying yes because they're so used to you talking and you say yes different ways every single time you may say like yes this time you may say yeah this time like um and so for a dog that's that's really confusing Mm. so yeah so that's i think that the clicker made that a lot easier for me and now it's just Mm. mostly me convincing people to stop talking um, so, <laughs> because what happens is that I'm trying to get a behavior and they're going, sit, 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 sit. And I, and I have to stop them and I have to say, 
you can't keep saying sit over and over because they don't know what that means right now. And you're making the word lose meaning. Um, mm. And eventually, if you do keep saying sit, 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 and then you get the behavior and then you reward it, now they think that the the cue to sit is sit, 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 sit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I purposefully, yes. because I don't like talking with my own dog, I didn't want to ever have mm-hmm. to yell. I didn't want to ever have to to raise my voice. I didn't. I, I taught him both um, hand cues and verbal cues, and I taught him with a mon- as monotone a voice as possible, and I and as quiet a voice, voice as possible because I didn't want to ever have to raise my voice for him to hear me. Um, and it worked out very well. In emergency situations, because when I do yell, he's like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a, there's a oh, problem. No. And it, you, yeah. there's a big problem. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget, uh, he was six months old, barely trained at this point, and picked up a toad. And we have cane toads here in Florida. Um, picked up a toad and oh, no. crushed it. And I, I said, <gasps> drop it. I screamed, drop it at him. And he spit the whole thing out and looked at me like, I don't know what I did, but I spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. And at the time, he didn't barely, he barely knew drop it. He, he would not like, he had no idea. It was just because I had been training him with a very monotone voice. The first time I ever raised my voice with him, he was like, this is an emergency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I wish more humans would use that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like so many people what? just like they get passionate about something and I might even do this myself. They get passionate about something and suddenly they're yelling. <laughs> and like, cause this will happen with my partner with PJ where he'll like get he'll he also will just argue both sides of an argument by himself like in his own little thing and so I never know if he's <laughs> arguing against me or if he's just playing with a, an opinion but sometimes he'll say it in a loud way and then I'm like oh my god is he yelling at me like and then I get upset and I'm defensive because I think he's yelling at me and he's like I'm not yelling <laughs> We, we should all allow yelling so to be funny. an emergency. <laughs> Only. Aww. That takes away so much of my fun, but okay. <laughs> I like to mess with that. Like I show up in a room and I like scream something really silly. Like, I love you so oh. much. And he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I just wanted to yell at you. <laughs> but I'm a crazy person. Ah, I love that. That's great. Love it. Oh, man. But I actually, um, I want to tie this in because there's something that is in your chart. You have the channel of hearing, which is also called the channel of power. And it's a direct connection between power and intuition and is connected to auditory sense, to literally being able to take in auditory information and digest it in a very intuitive way. And you've already talked about so many different things in your life where taking in auditory information has been an amazing way for you to digest things, but also how it's something that you need to be very specific with and very careful with. You don't use a loud voice. And I wonder if 
you experienced, like if you dislike it when other people use a loud voice kind of thing, because this channel really focuses on your connection to hearing and to intuition through that. So does that resonate with you? So I feel like you keep saying things that are symptoms of autism. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I wonder if it's all just human design and we had to put a label on it. So we called it autism. Mm. <laughs> so I recently bought noise canceling headphones that do not play music because I was going to go on a cruise with my, um, with the vet clinic that I work at. Um, they bought us mm -hmm. all a cruise for uh, Vet Tech Appreciation Week. <laughs> I mean, I don't, nice. that's amazing. I don't know if you've ever met any vet techs, but we're all loud. <laughs> <laughs> and we all curse like sailors. Excellent. Beautiful. And so. This sounds like my people. <laughs> so I bought these for that trip um, and I did use them on that trip. I, I don't like loud noises. I, I especially don't like loud music. I don't like, um, I have to consistently tell, because Robert and Steven, whom I live with, need music to clean. Um, so I have to tell them, you need to put headphones in, because I can't clean uh -huh. with, I can't function <laughs> with the music. Um, but it's not just like, it's not just music, yeah. it's like, it's continuous sounds. So like, mm -hmm. um, the sound of electricity is really annoying. I have to unplug, I have a VR headset, mm. or set up in here and i have to unplug the um what are they the infrared that reads where the vr is mm -hmm. because it makes a horrible mm -hmm. sound it's like this high-pitched yeah. whining sound i hate yeah but it's stuff like that like i of course i got the most barky dog on the planet <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but... <laughs> i don't know my my pup might be able to to match yours for barky <laughs> my my uh neighbor just told me that Every day at 10 o'clock, she hears Hades barking, and she likes it because it means he's watching. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. That's sweet, though. But really, it's because he's too scared to poop. Wow. So I feel weird. like you should just walk around like interpreting animals for people. Like just kind of, you know, like walk up to that. people in the park. <laughs> just walk up to people in the park and their dog is, you know, sitting in a corner doing something weird. And you just walk up and be like, he's just mad that you broke up with your boyfriend. Like <laughs> he really liked that guy. <laughs> tell me that I should do one of those things those videos where you talk for the animals <laughs> oh yes mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. definitely I mean I do that on a daily basis already <laughs> like, I have conversations with my dogs and like I'm myself and I'm also the dog and so we're going back and forth and I give them a voice and it's you know it's great <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like you would actually be able to tell me what he's actually thinking <laughs> instead of me interpreting it myself. So I, I think uh, my boyfriend pointed out the voice I gave my dog is a German accent. <laughs> German accent for a German, German shepherd. shepherd, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Nice. That's fabulous. Nice. That's fabulous. <laughs> I guess that ties back into your saying that um, the voice for other people, I feel like I'm more a voice for animals, if anything. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. It's so interesting too, because I, I love how you're saying that everything that I'm talking about are symptoms of autism, because I think that there are, and this is something that keeps coming up for me in human design. There are so many psychological and even physical uh, diagnoses that when we look at it from a perspective of what if this isn't a problem that needs to be fixed? What if this is just who you are and the way that you're designed and we can learn how to make this work for you? Because it sounds like you have done exactly that. You spent a very long time, and I know you've talked about this and you mentioned this already, but you spent a very long time not feeling like you were good at anything, not knowing what it was you were supposed to be doing, just kind of going through the motions of what you thought the world was expecting of you. And now you've kind of like said, screw it. Like, I'm going to go do what makes me happy and you've stepped into this beautiful space of being able to really use the parts of you that are amazing to connect with animals. You don't need to connect with humans. You are here to connect with animals. And the fact that you can do that in such like in the way that you do and as well as you do, that is the core of your magic and you create that magic and it doesn't matter what diagnoses fall on top of. And I completely understand the need for, uh, for understanding something like that because it makes us feel seen. It makes us feel understood when somebody who has a medical degree says here, this is something that maybe you're struggling with. But the thing about it that I find to be difficult is when people see that diagnosis and say, okay, well now how do I fix this problem? Mm -hmm. How do I fix this thing that's wrong with me? Yeah. When we have so many ways when we, we could just celebrate it, you know? Most people with autism will tell you that it's not something that they want to cure because it is it makes up such a huge part of their personality. They don't know who they would be without it. And, mm -hmm. I, and a lot of people say, like, the only reason that autism and ADHD are even considered disabilities is because of the world that we live in right now. Um Yes. Unfortunately. Yes. And yeah. there's actually yeah. a lot of overlap between um, Neanderthal DNA and autistic um, people. Um, Interesting. So they did, it's not like a, it was like one study, so there's not a ton of research into it right now um, and not anything like really confirming it. Um, but it would make sense to me because a lot of, so they say that when you, meet an autistic person you know it within five seconds of meeting them you just don't know it's autism you just think they're weird um <laughs> and so a lot of people say oh well it uh, autism activates people's uncanny valley effect which i don't know if you know what that is but it's like no. when something is kind of human but isn't and so <sighs> it makes you feel very uncomfortable um, and a, mm -hmm. a lot of people use that as like a conspiracy theory and say, oh, well, that, there was something that used to exist that looked human, but wasn't human. And I'm like, there, yeah, there were, it was other humans, Neanderthals, yeah. um, <laughs> Tennessovians, <laughs> um, we had hobbits there, they existed and, and Neanderthals and Homo sapiens did not get along. Um, yeah. They killed each other. And so there was a pretty good reason for your brain to go, that's not a homo sapien. Um, 
and if there is a link between autism and Neanderthal DNA, it would make sense that autistic people would also activate that uncanny valley effect. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's so interesting. So in human design, there is this concept that in 2027, there's going to be a shift in the chart and that right now we are evolving very, very quickly. And what's changing in 2027 is that there's going to be a mutation in the emotions and we are moving into, and anyone born after 2027 is going to be someone who focuses less on the individual human and being able to do all of the things by oneself and focus more on creating community and being able to be really good at the one thing so that someone over here can go do the other thing. And what we see with people who are autistic is being really, really good at one thing. And also the, the trust of others to support for the things that they're not good at. And so I feel like as we move into this, even from a human design perspective, we're moving into a new evolution. And so I feel that the, you know, this, what we're seeing as a rise in autism is actually the beginning of our evolution as humanity toward humans who are more interested in working together than they are in fighting each other. You know, it's interesting mm. about that. I don't know. I honestly don't know how this popped into my head, but um, they just did a study recently and they found that um, they took, they basically had a bunch of people play telephone and they had neurotypical people, a mix of neurotypical and autistic people and autistic people play telephone. Basically they found that there was no issue obviously with just the neurotypical people communicating with each other. Um, they also found though, that there was no issue with autistic people communicating with each other. The issue was when you mix the two groups together. <laughs> All right. There you go. Well. You are just the next evolution of humanity. We are moving forward and we all need to figure out how to work together. And I think human design is a great way to celebrate each other <laughs> for the magic we bring to the world. <laughs> yes, Kayla. That's my soapbox. <laughs> Oh, love it. So Brittany, <laughs> I'm curious, now that we've looked at your human design a little bit, and now that we've dived into a few of these things, and we've talked about animals, and we've talked about autism, how are you feeling about the concept of human design and how you connect with it and how you feel like it could uh, connect with humanity, with the world and with your life? Um, so I think uh, I'm just going to be completely honest. It takes a lot for me to be a hundred percent about something it definitely hmm. resonates with me um but i have to i'd have to I, I honestly feel like i kind of know it on a surface level right now and i feel like i don't know enough totally. information to like fully have an opinion on how accurate it is and, and everything else everything that you've told me makes sense um but i feel the same way about um astrology so <laughs> so it's yeah it's kind of um <laughs> I need a lot of information before I'm like, yeah, 100%, this is true. I, so. Sure. I appreciate that. I absolutely appreciate that. Um, and yeah, astrology is actually one of the facets of human design. So human design is a combination of astrology, the I Ching, the Kabbalah, quantum physics, genetics, 
It's a combination of all of these ancient systems with modern science. So you are going to get aspects of all of these different things within the human design chart. And I think the thing that human design offers us is an energetic framework. And so it's exactly, it was interesting to me when you were talking before about how when you come to a problem and you need to figure out how to, how to handle a certain animal, like when that animal is like, you can't, you're trying to get them to do a certain thing and they're not understanding it, that problem solving. So with undefined mind and head centers, the way that you problem solve is by getting around a situation is by getting your mind around that concept and being able to take things from, okay, well, maybe I could take this from here. Okay, I could take this from here and putting it all together so that you can then come up with a solution. And so for you to want more information makes perfect sense. You are wanting to get your mind around this situation more so. That's how you digest information. Um, so I, I would have been very surprised if you had said, I'm going to run my whole life by human design right now. That would have... <laughs> um, but what's fun is that it does give you kind of that, uh, instead of it being a giant pile of information, your human design chart is kind of that getting around. It gives you the, the shell. It gives you the framework so that you can look a little deeper and then figure it out on your own. You know, like it's the kind of thing where you could probably look at, you know, undefined throat and read something about what an undefined center means and then look at what all of those gates were called and then be able to understand what that means for you based on those little tidbits of information. Because in astrology, I find that every single aspect, every single transit, every single planet has this whole big, long explanation of what exactly it means that you are here and it's all, this is your personality and this is these are like concrete things that never change. And with human design, it's more about how we interact with the world. So there's always, there's tons and tons of different information, but I... Yeah, I, I feel like this, I wonder if this is something that maybe that you might find more interest in later and maybe we'll talk about it again. <laughs> I, I, I think I might, uh, mostly because i kind of been sitting on this information, but when you were talking about having like the defined centers that I have and that it's, um, you know, adrenal and um, like stress situations, but also like grounded in, in the earth and things like that. It made me think of two yeah. things. One is I've never panicked in a stressful situation. Yep. And I thought that was just everybody. <laughs> so nope. I, used to get, <laughs> no. I used to get really mad at Robert because I would be in a situation where I'm like, I need your immediate help. And he's trying to figure out what's going on, like taking in the information. And I'm like, you don't have time for that. Just help. Be here. <laughs> and, just be here. Yes. Um, and then later I was like, oh, well, maybe it's just because I've been a, a vet tech for so long and I'm used to dealing with emergencies that it's like that. But it, it might yeah. not be. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's you yeah. create that def that really grounding energy and that uh, you have defined it's like your adrenal glands are something that you not have control over, you know, but to an extent you create that energy. 
So when you need to lock in and be present for an emergency, you can. I, I'm the same way. I also have a defined root. But when we are around people who have undefined root centers, it they can often panic about what's happening and not be able to to drop in and do the thing right away. Um, and it can be very frustrating because on the one hand, they are able to absorb our root energy. And sometimes when we're like in the in the thing together, you can do it together. It's when you're trying to pull them into your ether that it's like, they're like, I'm over here floating around with my undefined root. <laughs> and they're like, what? There's a problem? <laughs> the same thing happens with PJ. He's got an undefined root. And like when we're working on something together, we're good. Like if we're in it from the beginning together, we're good. But if I'm in it and I'm like trying to get him involved, it's like, what do you, what do you mean? What's happening? What do you, what do you need? What, why, are, why is it a problem? <laughs> uh, you just reminded me of something when I first moved in. So yeah. I accidentally started a fire in my bedroom. <laughs> and oh no. I identify with this. Robert, <laughs> Robert and Steven are panicking, staring at the fire. Robert goes and runs against me. He runs back to the room. He's standing there. I look at the fire. I'm like, can I, can you give me a wet rag, please? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I know how to solve this problem. I just need, to, I need the tools. Give me the tools. Let's <laughs> I just, it was so, it was such a weird situation because they were both just staring at it. <laughs> I'm like, between the two of you. That's that freeze, you know, that, that fight, flight, mm -hmm. or freeze. That's the freeze Yep, right yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I wonder if people with undefined roots are more likely to freeze, whereas people with defined roots... You freeze? Megan's got an undefined root. Occasionally. Occasionally. Sometimes I, I go right into problem-solving mode, and I'm like, okay, I need this, 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 and this, and let's go. But I must be around somebody with a defined root center in order for that to happen, because sometimes I just stare at the problem and go, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so funny yeah I'm always yeah. I'm always fight it's so interesting like I uh, when they they recently added fawn to that list fight flight freeze fawn and I I have definitely gone into fawn mm -hmm. um but I often feel like fawn and fight are actually the same it's just a different way of fighting yeah you know I yeah. definitely always go into fight but Unless I'm at work, then I would usually go into fawn because um, yeah. I can't. Yeah. Mm. yeah, exactly. It's like that moment of like, I'm yeah. not allowed to fight right now. <laughs> Maybe it's just like, you know, instead of fight or fawn, it's just take mm -hmm. action, right? Because mm -hmm. this essentially what you're doing is taking action as opposed to running away, yeah. which is an action, but like it is a get the fuck yeah. out versus or freeze which is complete inaction yeah. um or actual action yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah anyway um i think we are at time so i just want to say Brittany, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and being a part of this and talking to us and being open to talking to us about human design and sharing your experiences as a dog trainer which i find fascinating and i I have, I'm going to try to use a clicker on Pixie. 
Yeah, we'll see you how can that check goes. out her website. <laughs> oh, fab. Brittany, where can people find you? And do you have any virtual, yes. do you do consultations virtually or anything so that people across the country would be able to work with you? So I, I do have a website. It's uh, newmoonpettraining.com. I don't currently do any virtual appointments. Um, it's something that I'm thinking about adding in. But actually, my business just took off recently and I'm out of slots anyway. <laughs> So, um, wow. Well, that's, <laughs> that's great. great. Congratulations. Congratulations. So, um, once I start cutting back on my hours at Salty Paws, I might add in some virtual appointments and things. But for right now, it's just um, in person. I'm here. I'm here in Daytona Beach. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you do have some resources on your website, though, yeah. that people could access. So, I have. Um, I have a, a couple things on there. One of them is I do have some information on there about choosing the right trainer. Um, there's also some information on what clicker training is and how it works. Um, I do have a page on um, enrichment ideas to help get your puppy's energy levels down. Um, and I'm, I am planning on adding um, store items. So I, I want to add a training package. So you have everything that you need for starting training and some uh i just got a deal with my favorite um no pull harness brand so we're gonna add that on as well amazing wow oh my gosh i love it that's so cool awesome so that's newmoonpettraining.com mm-hmm. right yes beautiful well everyone cool. go to newmoonpettraining.com and i will check it all out <laughs> right I, after yeah, this <laughs> this was such a great conversation i'm i'm so happy with everything that has transpired <laughs> yay <laughs> i feel good about it good great <laughs> we like yeah. feeling good about our podcast <laughs> i also have social media too so i do have a couple trading like tips and stuff on tiktok and um instagram as well Okay. And what's the handle for that? It's new moon pet training. Perfect. Excellent. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Brittany. This has been wonderful. Thank you. And hopefully we'll have you back again sometime. If you like what you heard on this podcast, follow us on Instagram at human design in real time to keep up with our next episodes. And if you want to learn more about your own human design, I'd love to help you on your journey you can head to my website, kayla-care.com to book an introductory human design session where we'll dive into the person you were born to be. That's K-A-Y-L-A-C-A-R-E.com. We're always looking for awesome humans to be guests on the podcast. So if you'd like to be interviewed, send us an email at humandesigninrealtime at gmail.com. This podcast is brought to you by Kayla Care. A big thank you to our amazing producer, sound mixer, designer, and editor, Sabrina Mason. Thank you to the composers of our theme song, Niall Spaulding and Sabrina Mason. Thank you to today's guests for being open and present with us. And thanks to you, our listeners, for supporting this podcast. Keep discovering your human Human design design in real time. time.